about? Well, the category that I want to address tonight is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and they are the supernatural spiritual gifts, the supernatural spiritual gifts. As you're turning there, I just want to, to make a couple blanket statements about these gifts and the gifts of the Spirit in general. When we're baptized with the Holy Ghost, when, when the Holy Ghost comes into our life and, and indwells in our life, it puts us in what the Scripture calls the body of Christ. So if you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, you are a member of the body of Christ. And when you're a member of the body of Christ, it's almost like a word picture, a way of imagining how the church operates. Jesus is the head of the body. He's the one that controls the different parts of the body. And all of us are parts of the body, members of the body. And when we're filled with the Holy Ghost and we're part of the body, that means that the Spirit of God is what animates us and what causes us, it, what's, it's what governs us and leads us and causes us to move and act and behave and causes us to function as a part of that body. We're not off doing our own thing, but we're a part of a body. Amen? And every member, every person in the body of Christ has a particular function, something that they bring to the body that no one else in the body brings to the table. And so that's why it's important to occasionally do what we're doing last week, this week, and to talk about spiritual gifts and to look at ourselves and let the Holy Ghost examine us and start to identify within each and every one of us what our gifts are and what the Holy Ghost would have you do as a member of the body of Christ, amen? So the gifts that we're talking about, they're not for the benefit of just an individual or just one part of the body, but what one part of the body does is for the benefit of the entire body. That's what spiritual gifts are about. Spiritual gifts are not for the upbuilding or the, um, or, or, or the, the popularization of one person in the body, but it's for the building up of the entire body. That's what spiritual gifts are for. And that's why it's so important for every member of the body to have a handle on what the Holy Ghost would have them do and to be active doing it. It's important. Turn to your neighbor and tell them we need each other. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them like, like you mean it. We need each other. Okay. We can't operate solo. That's never God's plan. God's plan is for us to be a part of the church, to be a part of the body, and to not get ourselves confused that we are the head of the body. <laughs> There's only one head of the body, and it's him. It's Jesus. The rest of us are members in particular, the scriptures say in the King James Version. And there's something even more important than exercising your spiritual gifts, whatever they may be and whatever the Holy Ghost may lead you to do. And it's possessing and manifesting the love of God. Because if we operate in gifts and we pursue after gifts and we try to exercise gifts of the Spirit, but we do it without love, we're going to hurt somebody. We're going to hurt our brothers and sisters. We're going to eventually damage ourselves. Love is the governing factor for everything that happens in the church. 
If it doesn't pass the love test, we don't do it. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we're going to be at tonight for a little while, talking about the supernatural gifts, is immediately followed by 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which talks about love or charity. And that's not an accident. The Apostle Paul didn't just parachute in a chapter about love just randomly. But if you look at the context, it makes absolute sense that in between two chapters that focus on the operation of spiritual gifts in the life of the church, that there's this entire chapter dedicated to love. We have to have the right spirit if we're going to operate in spiritual gifts. And that spirit is love. Have you ever, I just want to underscore my point, have you ever had to operate, and, and many of you have, many of us have, maybe most of us, have you ever had to go on without a part of the body for a while, like something wasn't working, like you smashed your finger, or you know you had to get on without something for a little while, it's inconvenient, to say the least, depending on which body part it is, um, inconvenient. In some cases, it could be dangerous. Um, it's prohibitive. There's some things that you might not be able to do anymore for a, a period of time until the function is restored to that part of the body, hopefully. And, and, and when we start to think of, it, of this topic in terms of something we're very familiar with, our natural body, and, and how sometimes if you've ever had to do without a part of your body for a while and how inconvenient or dangerous or prohibitive it might be, it starts to really give us a very clear picture of how important it is that every member of the spiritual body, the church, be involved in the work of ministry. Amen? Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I turn there myself. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, here's what it says uh, in the New King James Version. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Verse 2, you know that you were Gentiles carried away, carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. I want to pause before we go any further and just say that the gifts of the Spirit are never going to work contrary to unity in the body. Let's go on, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Not for the profit of just one person, but to build up everybody. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And then verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So, if you were keeping count, 
you noticed that there were nine supernatural gifts listed in the passage we just read together. Somebody name one of them. Wisdom, the word of wisdom. Somebody name another one. Faith, gift of faith. Somebody name another one. Gift tongues. Knowledge. Okay, so there's nine of them. Um, there's nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul lists in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, for the sake of time tonight, and because I, I, I really feel like I, I need to do something next week that's going to help us uh, with a certain category of these gifts, I only want to cover six of them tonight out of the nine, and I'll, I'll just be forthright and tell you why. Uh, there's six of them that belong to uh, these two categories that we'll talk about in a moment. There's this third category, and it's the, it's the category of, of speech, words, and it's uh, the gifts, uh, the three gifts that you would identify in that category would be, um, it would be tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. We're going to talk about those next week. Because I want to spend some time next week talking about the difference between uh, the gift of tongues and the evidence of tongues. Okay? All right. We'll do that next week. So let's talk about a few of the ones uh, this week that are going to help us. The first uh, would be the word of wisdom. So, uh, Sister Courtney, I think there's a slide that might, that might break this up into, different, into the three categories. Show us what the categories are first. Give me the category slide. Um, there we go. The categories of supernatural gifts. So uh, utterance is what we're going to do next week. But today I want to talk about revelation and power. Uh, each of these categories have three. They, I forgot to tell them to give the handouts out. There, thank you. There's three gifts in each of these categories. So there's three revelation gifts, there's three power gifts, and there's three utterance gifts. And these are just a helpful way of remembering, remembering how these uh, fit into, into the group of nine. They say, they say that human beings have an easy time memorizing things in sets of three. They say we have a difficult time memorizing more than seven digits. That's why our phone numbers are seven digits. Um, because if you go beyond that, something about the human memory kicks back, and, and it's just not as easy. So, um, so when you get up to nine, it can be a little difficult to, to group it up. So for the sake of maybe trying to keep things sorted out, let's break it into three sets of three. The first revelation gift that I want to address tonight is that word of wisdom, word of wisdom. And I've got a slide for each of these so that you don't have to try to... to keep up with everything I'm saying, uh, because I don't want you to get lost in information. Uh, there's information that gets transferred when there's teaching, but we teach for more than just the transfer of information. We want to be transformed, amen? We want to be transformed. We want there to be something inside of us that changes, that the Holy Ghost grows us somehow, and to where we just don't get information transferred from one cranium to the other, but there's actual transformation because the Word of God does that, amen? The Word of God is alive, it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And when we start to learn about the Word of God, it starts to change us and it starts to form us into the image of the one who created us. The first is the Word of Wisdom. This is a revelation gift. Wisdom, wisdom is understanding what's right or true. It's insight, it's good judgment, um, 
How is wisdom different than knowledge? Well, let me, try to, let me try to parse it out. Knowledge is an understanding of facts. Wisdom is an understanding of how to apply the facts and make good decisions. Does that sound about right to everybody? We, we have to acknowledge there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. They're not synonyms. They're different. Knowledge is an understanding of the facts as they are. Wisdom is an understanding of how to apply or use the facts in a real-life situation. So a word of wisdom, you'll see it's behind me, and it's, I can see it too because we have these wonderful screens now. Hallelujah. The word of wisdom is the supernatural gift of a portion of divine insight, judgment, or guidance for a particular need. So we're not just talking about somebody that's a wise person in a general sense. When we're talking about the supernatural gift of the word of wisdom, we're talking about wisdom that's for a particular need at that moment. One of the things I love doing when we teach about the supernatural gifts is I love to go to the word of God and see each of these gifts in action. Would you like to see the word of wisdom in the book of Acts, like a real Bible example of this actually happening? Okay, Acts chapter 27, Acts chapter 27 gives us a glimpse of this gift in action. It's, it's so neat. I, I love that the Bible, that there's places in the Bible where these things are actually happening and we can look at it and we can just kind of see it. Um, Acts chapter 27, verse 9 says, now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul advised them, he admonished them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Now, what's happening in Acts chapter 27 is Paul is a prisoner on a boat. And they're taking him across the Mediterranean Sea to Rome. But they're going to have to stop somewhere along the way, and it's going to be a long voyage. And you can read the whole chapter. It's a very long chapter, and there's a lot of details. But they're on a ship, and they're sailing. And Paul is on this ship, and there's an enormous storm that comes through. And it, everyone's scared. These are professional sailors. These are not novices that are on the boat. They know what they're doing, and everybody's getting very afraid. Everybody's fearful that this is the end, and they're wondering what to do. And how many know what the Apostle Paul did for a living? Like, he had a livelihood, a, a trade. Does anyone know? He was a tent maker, okay? He was a tent maker. I've never made a tent. I've also never, never sailed a boat. However, I don't think that there's a lot of crossover between the two. Maybe there is, and I'm just missing it, but I don't think there is, and I don't have any idea why a tent maker would have a good estimation of how this sea voyage was going to fare in the middle of this storm. But through a supernatural word of wisdom, Paul is able to speak up in the middle of that storm as a tent maker when he shouldn't really have a clue about what's going on except that he's scared like everybody else, he's not a professional sailor, but the Lord revealed to him that it was unwise to sail further, and so he communicated that message, that word of wisdom, up the chain of command, and 
they decided to take a detour. Instead of trying to sail through the storm, they took a detour and tried to start to find land. Paul received from God supernatural guidance that was apart from human judgment. This wasn't him saying, you know what? Everything seems, I, fellas, I think, we should, I think we should probably, based on my extensive knowledge of, of sailing on the Mediterranean, I think, and, and the wind conditions and the time of year, I think, based on my human judgment, that we should probably try to find a port to go into. Paul had none of those experiences. He had none of those skills. But God supernaturally gave him a word of wisdom that was apart from his human judgment that spoke to the exact set of circumstances that they were right in the middle of. Now, Paul did not go on to teach sailing courses whenever he was in prison because he still didn't, he still did not get the supernatural impartation of everything it meant to be a sailor. But for that particular moment, the Lord operated in a spiritual gift through Paul and basically, you can read the chapter, basically saved the entire crew as a result of them following Paul's lead. You want to see another one of the word of wisdom? Acts chapter and verse 6. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Now, when the, now, what's so neat about this is that this is a familiar passage. This is probably a story you know, and maybe you never realized that this was a word of wisdom. This was a gift of the Spirit in operation, okay? Now, when they had gone through Phrygia to the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So they were trying to figure out what to do. They're trying to figure out what to do. There's roadblocks. There's things prohibiting them. So passing by Messiah, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. They didn't know what to do. They weren't sure where to go and evangelize next. They were trying to go to one place and things got stopped. They tried to go to the other place and there was a roadblock. Didn't work out. And they were just kind of stumped. And suddenly the Lord spoke a word to them in the form of a dream this time. And it was the dream of a man in Macedonia said, come help us, come preach to us. And they concluded after the dream that that was the Lord instructing them, not just with facts, but how to apply them. Talking about the word of wisdom. Isn't that neat? Do you believe the Lord still does it today? Are there any questions? About that? I, I, I'm trying to be better about stopping. Are there any questions or comments? Word of wisdom. They changed course. They changed course instead of trying to sail through. They, they didn't make it to a port. They still shipwrecked. They still shipwrecked. And they still lost the boat and, and barely survived. But they did survive. Who 
correct, right? And that's, that's, maybe, that's maybe a great takeaway from it as well, is that sometimes when the Lord chooses to operate through somebody in this gift, a word of wisdom, it feels like sometimes they can get right in the middle of our business because it, is, it, isn't, just, it isn't just a knowledge of the facts, but it's a knowledge of how to apply the facts. And when you start applying facts to real-life situations, a lot of times it gets, up in our, it gets in our business. And it means somebody steps into the middle of our circumstance and speaks into it, and we have a decision in that moment of what we're going to do with it. We're going to be like those fellows, we're going to be like, nah, this guy's a tent maker. He, what does he know? We're just going to keep on sailing. Or them saying, you know, I know there seems to be a little roadblock. We're trying to get into Bithany, and there seems like a roadblock. We're just going to charge through it. I know I had that dream about Macedonia, but ah, Macedonia is so far away. Let's just go on to the next town over and do that instead. We have a decision to make when this gift starts operating. true so that's the flip side of the coin on these spiritual gifts and, and i'm glad that it came up as early as it did on this first one that we're talking about we have a decision if you feel prompted in the holy ghost you have a decision sometimes to speak a word of wisdom but sometimes we're on the receiving end and we have a decision there too very much i said it last week sometimes the spiritual gifts in operation can be the difference between life and death. That might startle us a little bit because it's like, whoa, you're telling me the stakes are that high? Apparently, apparently that is the case. Sometimes it is a matter of life and death. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. We need to be able to identify the voice of God and test the spirits and know whether they be of God. Any other before we move on? Okay, let's go on to another one. This is the word of knowledge, the word of knowledge. This is also in that same category, that grouping that we're going to call revelation uh, gifts. This is the word of knowledge. Knowledge is familiarity, awareness. Uh, it's an understanding gained through observation or experience. It's what has been perceived or discovered, or learned. And you'll see on here, on, on, on the slide, the supernatural, it's the supernatural gift of a portion of divine information for a particular need. Divine information for a particular need. So, these run pretty close together, wisdom and knowledge. I'm not going to pretend like there's, a, like there's a, an enormous, they run pretty close to one another, so much so that a word of wisdom might be described as a supernatural gift or portion of divine insight. A word of knowledge is information, information. So 
Let me give you an example from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Maybe the least preached about passage in the entire book of Acts. (laughs) Acts chapter 5 verse 1 is a gift of the word of knowledge and operation. Acts chapter 5 verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Everyone knows where we're going now. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part, a certain part, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. He fell down stone cold dead. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they're going to carry you out too. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead. And carrying her out, buried her by her husband. That's a little sobering. This husband and wife, Ananias and Sapphira, sold a piece of property for a certain price. And then decided to take it to the apostles and give it to them. Telling them that this is the total amount that we sold. This is the total proceeds from the sale of this piece of property. When in fact it wasn't the total proceeds, it was partial. And I don't know if they were trying to do that to appear generous or for some kind of status. I don't really know what their motivation was. I just know that they were in the wrong by doing so. They were lying and testing the Holy Ghost. And Simon Peter supernaturally knows this piece of information. He shouldn't know it. He he wasn't the banker that conducted the transaction. He wasn't a witness that signed off. On, on the transfer of property. He wasn't there doing any of those things. But they came in to lay this at the apostles' feet and to give it to the church as a contribution. And Simon Peter, supernaturally in the Holy Ghost, knew what was at work. The Holy Ghost gave him that information for that, that particular... Now, I'll take a step back and say, this, <laughs> this was for a particular situation. Simon Peter did not immediately have revelation of everyone's financial dealings in the Jerusalem church. This was directed at a particular thing that was happening in real time. And the Holy Ghost quickened him and prompted him, gave him this piece of information, and allowed him to address it right there on the spot. And he gave him a chance to make it right. The Holy Ghost will almost always give us a chance to make it right. The gifts of the Spirit are not immediately for the destruction of people. So you may look at that one and be like, boy, that's a, that's a tough story. 
Like in the space of 10 verses, two people just fall over, over that. And you think, man, these gifts of the spirit things, they're, it's tough. It's dangerous. And sometimes it is the difference between life and death. But the Holy Ghost gave them the opportunity to come clean. And both of them, on their own terms, decided to stick to their guns and tell the lie. And it's only then that the Holy Ghost struck them dead. That was a word of knowledge in operation. I heard a story one time by one of our elders. Uh, they, they told this story. Um, one time, their mother was in service and was strongly impressed by God that someone, you, maybe you've been in a service like this before, she stood and was just strongly impressed in the Holy Ghost that someone that was there in that service needed to make a definite decision that night. She told the congregation that night, she said, there's someone here who should not leave this building without talking to God. And a few weeks later, a man who was in that service was injured on the job and died. Just suddenly. We've been in services like that. Maybe you have. Have you been in a service where there's been a word from, I see nods across the room right now. A lot of times, that is a word of knowledge. For a particular, it isn't just that somebody, that Brother Turner decides to come up to the pulpit on any given Sunday. It isn't like it's a regular occurrence where we try to make one of those grave warnings and, and um, who said it? Maybe it was Bishop. I can't remember. But about, you know, fear is not the motivator that you were closing service on Sunday morning. That's what it was. And you said that. Fear is not a good tactic for getting people to respond in faith. It's not typically what the Lord wishes us to do. But there's times, in the case of that story, and apparently some of you have been in settings like, there are times when the Holy Ghost decides to give someone a word of knowledge, and there's an urgency that comes over them, and there's a warning that's issued for that particular service, and when that happens, we need to heed to it. That's not somebody being melodramatic. A lot of times, that's a word of knowledge. A lot of times, the Holy Ghost, that means the Holy Ghost knows something that we don't. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We think we've got all the time in the world. We think we've got tomorrow. We think we've got next Sunday. We think we've got next Wednesday. The Holy Ghost knows what we don't. And sometimes the Holy Ghost tries to raise the alarm for us, and we've got to make sure that we're spiritual enough to hear it. Paul wrote in his letters, he says, there's things, there's things, spiritual things that Carnality isn't going to interpret. The carnal mind is not going to pick up on some of these things that the Holy Ghost tries to warn us of. That's why we need to be in the Spirit. So that when the Holy Ghost speaks in a setting like that, we can pick up on it and act accordingly. It's a word of knowledge. Any questions? Any, any feedback? Absolutely. Yeah. There's uh, oftentimes that these particular gifts, they're called the knowing gifts for a reason. Uh, 
many times they work in tandem with each other. So there's actually more than one gift in operation. Uh, a good example would be if I was to say, you have alcohol in your house, you're going back to your own tendencies, your old tendencies. You need to get rid of it because judgment is coming. If I was to say that, mm -hmm. there's two gifts in operation. The first one was the gift of knowledge. You've got the, you've, you've been doing it. That's information. You've got it. And here's what's fixing to happen. That's the word of wisdom. Amen. Uh, a lot of times they work together. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. If you got any alcohol in your house, get it out. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. I just got done saying you got to be spiritual to receive a word like that. You need to receive it. Any other questions, comments, feedback? Nope. Nope. One is not superior to the The best gift is the one that's needed at the moment. That is the best gift. There, there's actually one gift that you didn't mention uh, that is the, the supreme, most important. That's the gift of the Holy Ghost. You've got to, in order for anything, any of these to be in operation, you've got, you must, and you said that, you must have the, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Guard that and protect it more than anything. Amen. I know that what he's teaching in these lessons, is, and, I, and I apologize for disrupting, but mm -mm. You, you, you must receive this in the spirit in which it's being taught. The, the most important thing we can do is protect everything that we have by maintaining the gift of the Holy Ghost in operation in our life. But we need to search out and be sensitive to these spiritual gifts, amen, to complement the gift the promise that he gave us. Amen? Right. And, and it's important for the church to operate in these gifts because it indicates that the church is spirit-filled and spirit-led. Right. Amen? These are things that help us in our maturity, but it's a good time for me to pause and say that spiritual gifts are not necessarily evidence of spiritual maturity. Spiritual fruit is evidence of spiritual maturity. That's all I'll say about that. It's very important. It's very important. To exercise spiritual gifts without character, very dangerous. That's why I said, I think I got into it last week. I got into uh, all the qualifications for leadership in the New Testament are character-based, not gifts-based. There's one gift. There's one gift that you need to be able to operate in order to be, a, in the New Testament, to be a, a, a bishop elder. And it's teach, apt to teach. All the rest are character. The character protects what Bishop is talking about, that gift of the Holy Ghost. Our character is what ensures and lets us know that we're healthy and that we're mature and that we're strong. Let's look at this last 
revelation gift. Uh, it's the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. It's a knowing gift. Bishop says a knowing gift, a revelation gift. It's, so we've got the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Discernment is keenness of insight and judgment. It's the ability to make a proper distinction or a determination, such as the ability to know truth from error. There was a man that said one time, and it's always stuck with me, he said, discernment is not the ability to know right from wrong. Discernment is the ability to know right from almost right. You don't have to be particularly gifted to know right from wrong. Hopefully, the gift of common sense will help you with that. But if you're going to know the difference between right and almost right, you're talking about discernment. Discernment, discerning of spirits, is the supernatural gift of perceiving the spiritual motivations for an action or what type of spirit is at work. I like that word that's up there, motivations. It's really easy sometimes to see what's happening on a surface level. It takes discernment to understand what's happening when it comes to motivations. So there's, there's three possible sources of spiritual activity. Let's just go down the rabbit hole for a moment. There's God and his angels. There's Satan and demonic angels, demons. And then there's the human spirit. All three of those can generate spiritual activity. All three of those can be the source of spiritual activity. Many problems or mistakes don't come directly from Satan or demons, but rather from the human spirit. Lot, some of the things that we blame on demons are not demonic. It's human. It's the human spirit at work. It's human stubbornness. It's human mean-spiritedness. It's human rebellion at work. And through the discerning of spirits, we're able to understand which of these sources, whether God and his angels, Satan, the human spirit, we can start to understand where an action has its origin point at and what's motivating a certain type of action that's happening. So this gift can give us insight about what type of spirit causes or presses on certain actions. So spirit of lust, spirit of greed, envy, Demonic possession, demonic oppression. Discerning of spirits helps us. It's a, it's a supernatural gift of perceiving the spiritual motivations for an action. Let me give you a, a Book of Acts example, and then I'm going to open for comments and questions again. But I want to give you a, a Book of Acts example. I like doing this because I feel like it, it, um, 
it gives us some biblical gives us a biblical patch of ground to stand on. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Again, a story that you're probably familiar with. Now you're going to be able to attach this story to a gift of the Spirit. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, but some of, I have hope, if Paul can be greatly annoyed. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So here we have the Apostle Paul and his companions ministering out in the marketplace, out in town, doing what the Lord is leading them to do. And this slave girl who tells fortunes and makes her owners, a lot of money by doing so, starts following them around and saying the right thing. Go back to verse 17. Sister Courtney, can you bring 17 back up? She's saying the right thing. She says, these people are of God. These people have power. These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. In print, in black and white, it looks like she's saying the right thing. She is saying the right thing, but there is a spirit that is motivating it. And it's a spirit of divination. Verse 16 says it. And greatly annoyed because he knew that she wasn't, she wasn't doing it in the right spirit, that the thing that was motivating it and pushing that action to come out of her, was a spirit of divination, fortune-telling. And so Paul spun around and rebuked her and rebuked the spirit, and the spirit came out of her. How did Paul do that? How was Paul able to hear someone follow? I mean, I mean, imagine somebody following you around and saying nice things about you. You know? Imagine follow, someone following you around and working. This person is the best they are the absolute best at what they do. Everybody, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, that's not bad. It doesn't sound bad. You need to listen to everything they say. They're right all of the time. <laughs> I mean, you know, they speak the truth. You got somebody that's your own personal, like, you know, they're following them around. How does Paul hear that and know that that's not of God? It's discerning of spirits. It's discerning of spirits. Like I said a second ago, it's not the difference between right and wrong. It's the, right, it's the difference between right and almost right. I imagine if when that spirit came out of her, if she just started saying the same exact thing, they'd have been fine. 
Because that spirit was no longer motivating. It's the difference between right and almost right. And that we have to have the discerning of spirits. Any questions, comments? Question or comment? Feedback? Brother D. Mm hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. It's an important distinction. When Luke wrote and penned that account into the book of Acts, there's no confusion, like you said, Brother D, that he rebuked that, that, that spirit came out. It wasn't the, the girl was the vessel of what was going on. So it lets us know that this, was, this wasn't a human spirit. This was something demonic that had to come out. You, you can't cast out a human spirit. No, I'm, I'm, a, human, a human spirit being stubbornness. Oh, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how the spirits are. If male and female, but but to his point, it, it's clear that it was a girl, and the spirit, the text says that it was a, a male, it identifies it as a he, and so there's no question that it wasn't a human spirit, it was something separate from the girl that was inhabiting, it was possessing the girl. So, Lou Sanders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's right. Right. And we don't, we, you know, you have, to, you have to kind of put yourself, to Brother Sanders' point, you kind of, sometimes you got to put yourself on the street there in the book of Acts with them. We only have the black and white text of what she actually said. But you can imagine if there's a spirit of divination that's motivating this, you can imagine how it must have sounded if you play it out in, in kind of your spiritual imagination. It must have sounded exactly like Louis Sanders described. It must have sounded very empty and hollow. It wasn't coming from a place of, it wasn't genuine. It, it, right, it was a mockery. It was, it was actually seeking to tear down or to be a distraction to the apostles and their ministry. So, anybody else? This is, this is good. Very good.
It does, and it's something I've heard before that, that helped me. Uh, a lot of times, spirits like that, they will, um, and the adversary in general, will, he's sometimes able to identify gifts faster than we are. That's why we need to be taught. Sometimes the adversary and demonic will, will be able to identify what's happening in the spirit faster than we can because if we aren't taught about it if we aren't dialed into it if we aren't sensitive to the things of God sometimes we can inadvertently give the adversary a leg up by not being able to see what's going on that's why I've heard it said before and I've, heard, I've said it to younger people the adversary will single, single them out before they have fully developed or even fully accepted the call, the adversary will have already identified and noticed, and the adversary will start targeting it. We just, we just need, it, it goes back to verse 1, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. I would not have you to be ignorant. That's the starting point for this entire conversation that he launches out into. His reason for writing everything that we're picking apart tonight is so that we would not be ignorant of it and so that we would not give place to the devil and we would not allow the devil to have a leg up on us in, the, in these matters. One thing, um, whether they're demonic or divine, don't contend with flesh and reasoning like we do. Uh, so there's, there's opportunity for us to miss it. More than likely, they're not going to miss it. Um, the next thing I wanted to say is this gift is the discerning of spirits. Uh, it's not discernment. It's discerning of spirits. Discernment... Uh, can I? Well, hold on. If, if, let's, if I get a phone call and someone says, hey, that person, uh, I believe that they're involved in this in the church. Say that happens. And it does. That's, not a discerning of spirits that's a discernment of an individual's lifestyle and and their habits and their tendencies and 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 more than likely it's 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 fueled by gossip somebody else has said something and so that's that's not what he's teaching about right now right he's not teaching about you hearing something from somebody else and, and it right. getting passed down and, you know, the rumor mill. 
is in operation. You know, right. that's that's another gift. It's not like the gifts of the Spirit, though. Uh, and you have to be careful because it will never. It, it will rarely. That will rarely start in a negative twinge. It will always it that that will start as oh did you know like we need to pray for this person and then all of a sudden they're going to puke everything in their life out on the table. That's not the discerning of spirits, right? Uh, so when you get that phone call, just hang up. Amen. And you wanted to say something? No, uh, you're you're absolutely right. This is about discerning the spiritual motivations for an action. Not that an action is taking place. Acts chapter 16, the girls follow him around saying, hear ye, hear ye, all this. Duh, the action is taking place. What spirit? We don't need a phone call. You don't need a phone call to describe that the girl is behind them jabbering or even what she's saying. You need the gift in operation to tell you what spirit is motivating it. need to, we would be wise to seek after the gifts of the spirit to be in operation all the time brother dustin i was going to say that this is a really good place that we can take note and it's really I, I think we could use it as a warning that when we're operating in the spirit to really be thoughtful about those that are praising us where is that coming from and not to seek that out mm-hmm. paul we, we address that immediately um, but also those that were around, mm-hmm. those things like calling up or wanting to gossip, those things, um, really knowing what that is, mm-hmm. discerning what that spirit is, and not letting it have a place or a foothold in your life because that's where it can really happen. And at that point, it's I, gain that foothold. I would. I can, would I, can I reel it back for just a second? Mm-hmm. Because you started out, and when you get into this, you can start digging holes, and it's just important to be very clear. There's three types of spirits. There's divine, demonic, and human. Mm-hmm. This gift will tell you which spirit is in operation. Mm-hmm. Amen? And then going back to the Gadarean, what did Jesus say when when that person came and fell at the feet of Jesus? Jesus said, who are you? He knew it was unclean spirits. He wanted to know what unclean spirits. He said, well, we're legion. We're many. There's there's a multitude of us. Let's let's can can we talk about this for just a second? Mm-hmm. I think you need to skip these next three going, gifts and put them in the next on. week. I'm not going and on. Not, but let's say that we're around. Here's where it's going to be a practical application. We're up here worshiping, <coughs> right? We're up around the altar, and uh, all of a sudden, you just kind of feel something that's not right. Amen. Uh, the, yeah, and this happens not just in the church house. This happens when this the first time this ever happened to me. The first time it ever happened, I was at an altar praying for young people, 
And I had a hand on this one and a hand on that one. And I'm young. I have the Holy Ghost. I'm maturing. And all of a sudden, I feel a homosexual spirit. Now, I didn't feel, I don't know how to explain this. I didn't feel a homosexual spirit. I started having thoughts that were presented. That wasn't of God in that context. So that let me identify. I didn't know what to identify then. I was kind of new, and and it, it stood me up. And I backed away, and I went and talked to my pastor. And I said, this is what I felt. And he said, well, here's why you're feeling that. I've been counseling these two. They were two two young men, and they had engaged in inappropriate activity with each other. So that's not the only thing you're going to discern. That's not the only spirit you're going to discern. Amen? It could be a multitude of things. Uh, It could be a right spirit. Isn't there three types of spirits? Sure. It could be a divine spirit. It could be something divine, something good that we that that Pure. we feel. We we tend to want to go to the demonic <laughs> side right. because we can pick a fight.